This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. This is Reset. I'm Justin Kaufman. There's a developing story out of Joliet this week. The Joliet Police Department released video of the arrest of Eric Lurie. It shows police officers assaulting Lurie, putting a baton in his mouth, and pinching his nose shut for over 90 seconds. Lurie died soon after. Add Lurie to the long list of black and brown men across the country who've died recently while in police custody. That list includes George Floyd, Derek Scott, Elijah McClain, and Carlos Ingram Lopez. But this incident didn't happen earlier this week or even last month. It happened almost six months ago. Now, after months of apparently stonewalling by Joliet authorities, some facts about Lurie's death are coming to light. Dave Savini is an investigative reporter for CBS2 Chicago. Dave, tell us about Eric Lurie and how you came to this story. The Eric Lurie case was not a headline case. Uh, no one really knew about it. It was an incident that happened in Joliet. Um, it never really got any coverage. Uh, it was it was downplayed from the very beginning as most likely an overdose um, related to a drug bust that, that occurred on a, on a on a cold January night, January 28th, and it just stayed that way. The widow had been fighting for police records, police reports. Uh, after he died, she had no idea there was an in-squad car video. Um, that was not disclosed to her, and it was kept under wraps for months. So there was a transparency issue on the Eric Lurie case from basically day one. And there still is a transparency issue because the video wasn't released until we forced the release last week by doing a story saying they wouldn't release the video. The police chief finally released it the next day, and he gave it to every news outlet. But, <laughs> but you guys, right, news, right, of course. Despite right. us being the only news agency with a FOIA, with a Freedom of Information Dave, request. The, the for, interesting thing here is you didn't even know there was, no one knew there was a video. I mean, the family didn't know, the lawyer for the case didn't know, that the, even, even to an extent, I mean, the jo- Joliet mayor said he didn't know. So how did that come about? depending on, you know, what story you want to believe, we don't really know. We're all trying to get to the bottom of why this video was suppressed all this time. And if you think about what's happened since it was released, one of the cops involved, one of the officers, a sergeant who holds Eric Lurie's nose shut for 98 seconds with his other hand on Eric Lurie's neck, who appears to be choking on or has a piece of plastic they removed from his mouth, um, could have been blocking his airway. There could have been some obstruction of, the, right. of that airway. And then if the nose is pinched, then you can't breathe at all. But that officer, that sergeant, was just stripped of his police powers. Uh, they made it public yesterday. 
So they had the video this whole time, and if they were doing an internal investigation, and that's, and that's I'm getting to your point, your question. Yeah. One of the things that the chief has said is that well, we were doing an independent internal investigation, so we didn't we didn't release this stuff. Um, well, then why all of a sudden is the sergeant now stripped of his of his powers? If you had the video for five months, and you saw you see something on the video, you've had it all you the had time. It the whole time. So that's the problem. Yeah, and and I think that's really what uh, I obviously you're in any situation where you know someone is police custody who dies, there should be full transparency about what happened. And when you see this video, and you see the techniques uh, or the tactics, or I don't even know the slapping of the face, the baton, but also the holding of the nose, there's a lot of questions. I would much rather hear from the police on why that happened than it coming out in in protests or from the the media or elsewhere, right? I mean, that's the idea that looking at that video, you you I have a hard time understanding what is the training, what is the police tactic that's happening in this case. Which is why it was really important for us to find and tell the whistleblower story. And the whistleblower is another currently employed uh, officer in Joliet, a sergeant, a 27-year veteran, very rarely do you ever get a whistleblower who's, who's still on the force mm-hmm. to come out and risk their job, you know, to tell you what happened or to talk about what happened in the video. And so he's also a training officer. And he was able to go through the video with us and show us what was wrong. And the move, he said, that was used where that you go to the neck and you pinch the nose to try to get the offender to cough up drugs, First of all, he said that move had been outlawed a long time ago. So you can't do that anymore. You can't try to choke a person to get them to cough up drugs. The other question he has, a real big one, is how does Eric Lurie get put in the back of a squad car with handcuffs without being searched? They're supposed to look in the mouth. Mm-hmm. How does he get what seems to be a bag of drugs in his mouth? We know his toxicology report came back with a mixture of cocaine and fentanyl and heroin, Obviously, he ingested something at some point. So you've got that issue, too. Let me play a clip from your reporting. This is Sergeant Esquita, uh, the sergeant you're talking about, who is a whistleblower, uh, as part of your investigative report that I believe aired last night or, or earlier this week. Seeing that video was so disturbing, I cried. Every day having to live with that was a hard thing, knowing that this administration was probably going to do nothing about it. There's a lot of us that are hurting right now. With everything that went on, you know, George Floyd being killed by that officer, it hurt a lot of us. Again, Sergeant uh, Javier uh, Esquita from the Julia Police Department. Now, what happened here? Because this is the second leg of the story. Uh, how did his superiors re- respond to, to his accusations or, or to him coming forward? So Esquita talked to us last week, uh, Wednesday, a week ago today. We aired his story uh, on Wednesday. Two days ago, they showed up at his house, and they took away his badge, his gun, and his take-home car, and they didn't tell him why. They just gave him a letter that said he was being put on administrative duty pending an investigation. They have now come out and said it's related to talking to the media, to talking to me. And so you've got to understand now, right? You've got a whistleblower who's blown the whistle on a video. That video has now surfaced. You now have finally taken action on the officer in the video, but you're going to take action on the whistleblower? It almost doesn't make sense. Yeah, Um, that's all this whole story, because what it really does here 
is is really provide evidence to the fact that there's some sort of Joliet Police Department cover up that they knew they did something wrong and now they're trying to cover and and you know sort of uh, check all the boxes to cover it up and that's what the the family thinks that's what the lawyer thinks and when you're seeing this it's hard not to understand why that's the case you do you wonder why they're not calling 911 or calling for an ambulance you know at that moment why if you are trying to help the man why are you holding one of his airways shut that doesn't make any sense at all. You know, they could have taken Eric Lurie out of the squad car when they pulled up to the station and uh, called for EMS right away. And we're still now we're looking into that and how long it took before they actually really called for medical services for him. But be- because they're not producing, the police chief is, is refusing to produce any police reports. There is no transparency. We can't even read the reports. They're not giving them. And they're not going on the record either, right? They're not, there's, they're, they haven't talked to you at all. No, no, they have not. There was a city council meeting last night, and um, it was conveyed that they are doing their, you know, they had this other independent investigation that they started back on the day Lurie died. They brought in a task force. It's called the Will County, Grundy County Major Crimes Task Force. And they were supposed to independently review this. Well, it turns out that a lot of uh, leaders on that task force are friends with the off some of the officers involved, um, and work together on thing, on task force together. So it really isn't an independent review, is what a lot right. of the city council was arguing. And last night they they all demanded that they bring in the attorney general or the U.S. attorney to do a full investigation to see what other evidence may be missing or may not have been preserved. You know, I found three or four cameras that were would be pointing right at the spot where Eric Lurie was pulled out of that car. And we have not been given any indication that any videos are still around from, from back in January from those cameras. Dave, your reporting, um, your reporting has, has, has sparked protests. People are protesting now uh, in Joliet, and there's a shakeup in Joliet government. Uh, there are some people who, who may resign or are reportedly resigning. Tell us about that. So last night, the, uh, during the, they went into an executive session after the city council meeting, and the city manager, he quit last night. Um, the city manager was urging the city council during open session to hire a private company to do the independent investigation, and they didn't want that. And after that ended, he quit. I don't know any other reasons behind that, but I can tell you the way the government is formed in Joliet, the mayor doesn't hire or fire the police chief. The city manager does. Mm. And so that's the person that has the control over the police department. Right. And the Will County coroner is, is, says in the autopsy and the original findings that it was uh, that the officers did not contribute to the death, that this was an accidental overdose. Uh, so when we look at this story and it's starting to get national attention, just more people are, are talking about it outside of Chicago and Joliet. What's the next steps? I mean, are, is it going to be the kind of thing where... The country turns its gaze to Joliet and, and, and what happened here and looks at how the police and, and the city handled this case? I believe so. I, I, it's starting to draw national attention. Some celebrities have started to retweet it, and the younger people pick right up on it. There were The protest that was yesterday, held yesterday in Joliet, was a student-run protest, you know, with young people um, that came out from neighboring suburbs, Joliet, Plainfield, some from Naperville. And as the groundswell continues and as more information is revealed, you're going to see, you know, more outrage 
Um, you're going to see more calls for accountability and transparency. You mentioned the Will County coroner. We have a lot of questions about that report as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it came out and put out a statement last week that wasn't dated, that I saw any date on, that said that the officers, that they reviewed the video and made a determination that those officers had played no role in his death. Hmm. But I read the autopsy report. There's a spot where it talks about supplemental materials that they reviewed to come up with the autopsy results. They never mentioned a video. Usually I see police reports are mentioned, videos if they exist. I don't see any mention of it in the, in the original autopsy records. Yeah. So I don't know. If, I don't, maybe they did see the video um, at some point, but I'm not sure how long well, the, before I, they got to see it. I think more than anything, this, there's still so many open, unanswered questions right here. And we'll keep an eye on the story as more facts come out. Dave Savini, an investigative reporter for CBS2 Chicago. Dave, keep in touch with us uh, on this story because we'd love to have you back. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jeff. And that's today's Reset. And do us a favor, tell your friends about the podcast. We've got the best conversations around Chicago's news, arts, and culture stories in around 20 minutes, Monday through Friday. I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you right here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.